And welcome to Crash Chords Autographs. Today, Matt welcomes Matt Carper, an author, journalist, and podcaster hailing from March, Cambridgeshire in the UK. In light of his newest book, called New Metal Resurgence, a detailed history of the return of the new metal movement, Matt chats about his history as a journalist and what inspired him to write his new book. He chats about growing up during the heyday of new metal and how the bands of today, who have survived from the time, continue to evolve. They also chat about his website and podcast, both called Head for the Barricade, its section called The Lowdown, and they explore the ever-evolving music landscape and how the defined lines between genres are more blurry than ever. And so, from some band bonding to other musical discourse, here's presenting Matt Storm and Matt Carper. And welcome to another episode of Autographs. I, of course, am Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon, and my guest this week is Matt Carper. Matt, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me on the show. It's my pleasure. So uh, for those who don't know, Matt Carper is a uh, journalist and a uh, rock advocate and a um, author of the new book, New Metal Resurgence. And so let's start by chatting about the new book. So I'm someone who grew up listening to a ton of new metal um, and I found that as I got older, some of the bands didn't hold up, some of them did, and some I went back to and some too I didn't. But I think it's interesting that you're choosing to write a book about new metal as it's a genre I find myself having the hardest time describing because it doesn't fall right into metal or classic rock. It doesn't fall into hardcore or emo. It's kind of this nebulous middle area. So let's start by talking about why you decided to write a book about uh, new metal. Well, like you said, I, I grew up when the new metal era was basically uh, overtaking the mainstream, all the charts, dominating, beating, you know, topping the charts um, instead of the likes of, you know, Madonna and all that sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, obviously, loads of metal fans hated the the subgenre. I'll call it purely because it was so popular. Um, but yeah, I grew up with all these bands just watching the over here in the UK. Kerrang TV was the main music channel. So you was getting Corn, followed by Limp Biscuit, followed by Linkin Park, followed by Slipknot and so on. And it was just like that every single day on those channels. You was getting a bit of, say, sort of like, like this Green Day and stuff like that in there. But it was predominantly new metal. Um, and in terms of, yeah, I mean, in terms of a... Uh, it's a, you can call it a subgenre, but I don't think it was really anything to do with the music. It was more a fact that it was a movement. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people on forums, you know, they're, they're always asking the question, is so-and-so new metal? Is another band new metal? Well, why, you know, new metal, Limp Biscuit and Slipknot were put in the same category, yet they sound nothing alike. Um, but yeah, in terms of the, the move, movement was always going to die out. So it lasted about four or five years, really, in the in the mainstream and the public eye. But over the last four or five years there's so many new bands coming out with new metal influences that are kind of bringing it back in their own way um so basically yeah the book to decided to write it a couple of years back um i decided to because there hadn't been a book written on new metal since 2002 so at that time lincoln park had only released one album and papa roach had only released one album so that was it was a good time to write a book uh, joel mciver a fellow uk writer he's the one that uh, wrote that one 
Um, but nothing's been done since. So I decided to write a book about the whole of the original era, talking about all the bands that basically made no matter what it was. Um, and of course, with the second part of the book, I've decided to include bands that are here and now that are coming up. Some of them only just released perhaps an EP or one album. But so I've decided to, yeah, basically the whole new metal era all in one book um, and also talking about the new the new breed as well. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense to talk about new metal as a movement because I kind of always felt it was odd that these bands were all pulled together. And I mean, even if you look like, talk about the first band that you mentioned, Korn, who have gone through an insane evolution over their career, like with their more recent albums, even leaning more towards dubstep and working with DJs. Like, they're kind of a band that's always kind of followed the popular trends and tried to incorporate it. You know, it's because of Korn that we pretty much got Limp Bizkit and Jonathan Davis was experimenting with rap and rock in the mm-hmm. early days, you know, one of the first bands since the Beastie Boys to really do that, but in a heavier way. Um, yeah. So I think that if you follow Korn's career, like you couldn't even really call them new metal anymore because they've just changed so much. And it kind of gives a better sense to that feeling more like a movement than you know, a specific sound. Um, you know, myself, I grew up, like, Korn was one of the first bands I got into. I'm not ashamed to admit I liked Limp Bizkit at one point. I'm still a diehard Linkin Park fan. And it's funny, because looking at some of the bands that uh, you talk about in this book, like lesser-known bands like Orgy and Spineshank, bands that I loved, like, I, I saw those names and went, oh, yeah, like, I wonder what they're doing now, and, like, go back and listen to their older records. You know, and some of them are still putting out new music, but they're way more low-key than they were in the 2000s. Definitely, yeah, and I was actually, I was uh, talking to someone online yesterday regarding Crazy Town. Obviously, everybody Mm -hmm. knows uh, Butterfly. Um, Again, a lot of people saying they should, they have no room in this new metal forum because they was not new metal. Well, hardly any band if you're going to call a new metal genre hardly any band was but they again it's because they came out at that time um and like you said with corn yeah um every band you know uh, there's an evolution with them some not many but they have stuck to what they did best but um like the fellows papa roach but i guess the main thing these days a lot of bands are using electronics and synth mm-hmm. incorporating into the heavy music so yeah it's um from what they did back then to what they do now is different, but there's still a hell of a lot of popularity for all these bands out there. For sure. Um, so I know that you're a journalist as well. Have you always wanted to write about music? Has that always been a passion of yours? It has, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, from um, probably 14, 15, when I was getting into heavy music, that was the the plan. Um, so I started off writing with for websites, um, one based in Australia, one based in the US, and then I managed to get my name in a print magazine over in the UK, which is called Powerplay mm-hmm. Rock and Magazine. Um, thankfully, because of them, I was able to interview Head from Korn um, just ahead of their last record release. So um, it was around that time where I thought about, I've been trying, to, I've always wanted to be a writer as well, trying my hand at some novels and some fiction, but... I'd get halfway through a novel or something and realize or think that the idea wasn't good enough. So I decided to write about something which I think I know about, and that was music. So the new metal book was the the very first idea I had. Um, but I put out a small book ahead of that called We Own the Night, which focused more on the underground of the, the hard rock scene in America. Um, so, yeah, I have been – I don't write for <clears throat> Powerplay anymore. I've got my own podcast called Head for the Barricade where I do a lot of writing on the website. 
um, small piece for a magazine called Down for Life in the UK, which only comes out twice a year, which is more on the hardcore and the punk side of things. Um, but yes, new metal resurgence, that is my um, um, my passion, and um, I'm very pleased to finally get it finished. Well, this is the second version of the book, but I'm finally glad that it's, uh, it's out there. And let's talk about Head for the Barricade a little bit. So this is your podcast and your website that you have. Um, where, when did, like, so for me, I if, if I knew podcasts existed in high school, I would be recording them since high school. It wasn't until much later that I discovered, oh, anybody with a microphone can do this thing? Well, that's great. I've got a lot to say. So tell me how uh, Head for the Barricade came to be. Um, well, actually, at the time, um, one of my local tattoo shops, actually, I was getting tattooed fairly regularly, and I was seeing some... Uh, t-shirts they were selling and it was a company called from nothing um so i decided to i like the design so i bought a t-shirt and it turned out that it was someone that was a year below me at school he's got his own um clothing company um, now under the from nothing apparel name so um he hit me up not long after i bought the t-shirt actually and he was saying that this was an idea that he'd been having and he wanted somebody local to where we live someone that possibly had some contacts in the industry to try and get some interviews on board um so myself and scott nielsen we we got together and started the podcast at the beginning of last year um under the head for the barricade name or originally it was called from nothing radio but we changed it to head for the barricade to sort of give us our own you know sort of brand and style um, and yeah, so it started from there. So we've had some great guests on the show over the last 15, 16 months. And the, the band members that are coming on are sort of getting bigger in terms of names. Um, mm-hmm. A couple of the last ones we've had included Billy Gray from Fozzy, um, Sean Glass, who used to be in Soil, part of the new metal era, now in a great band called Repentance. Um, and then some newer bands, which again, we like to focus on the likes of Kane Hill. We've had the lead singer, Elijah Witt, on the show. And a great band called Dead, and um, they're actually tearing up in America. And we was fortunate enough to hang out with those guys in London when they came over here last week. So it's um, we don't. It's not a frequent, as in a, a weekly web episode. Sorry, it's when we both have the time. We both work during the day, um, but yeah, we try and get a show at least um, fortnightly, and uh, with a special guest on as well. That's awesome. Yeah, I find that because. Um, so my other podcast that I used to do from for many years until it recently went on hiatus was a weekly album review show that I did with two co-hosts. And um, I found that while I was making that music podcast that there weren't a ton like there. I find that there are a lot of music news podcasts, but music podcasts that are just kind of diving into the artistry of music itself. There are less of and for sure dedicated to genres. I feel like. Um, you know, if bands are on shows, it's more like what you and I are doing now, where it's an interview show and they just come on and chat and it's not as much of a deep dive into music or specific genres. And so Mm. I think having a show like that is really vital, especially on the type of music that maybe not is getting as much attention as it used to. No, for sure. I mean, when we started out, the main aim was, yes, we're both lovers of new metal and we're both the same age. And the, the other intention was to bring exposure to newer and up and coming up and coming bands, which we still do. So if anybody listens to the show, um, I guess they, they might get a feel of a small radio show because mm-hmm. we do play a few songs as well. And we talk about any new releases coming out, any uh, gigs we've been to. Um, the interview is obviously the main feature of the show. Um but yeah, we like to, the, and a lot of people have sort of picked up on it that we are 
helping to or trying to bring through new bands whether it's from the uk from the us um, we've got some great friends in a band called front street in the netherlands they're absolutely brilliant but because of their location it's a bit harder for them to get the exposure they deserve so um we have got a bit of a name for ourselves yeah in, in terms of trying to uh, bring through newer bands and i think that's like ultimately this show started as a opportunity for me to promote independent artists that i was really good friends with and it's grown from there and i think that's really a good baseline to have for any show about music is promoting the art itself you know you want to get the sound out there um i want to talk to you a little bit about music specifically and obviously it's clear that you are a new metal and heavy rock fan but um i imagine there are other genres of music that you listen to are there any genres that people might be surprised that you enjoy outside of the heavy rock uh, genre yeah traditionally it is rock and metal um but i, I do like some hip-hop as well um, again these days it's not quite the same as it was maybe mm -hmm. 10 15 years ago um but as I talk to various people, some people do get surprised when I say that my CD collection includes the likes of Johnny Cash and Elton John. I think both <laughs> of those phenomenal artists as well. So, yes, yeah, uh, sorry, traditionally rock and metal, but uh, I'm also a huge fan of the 80s hair metal era as well. And um, in fact, my two ultimate favorite bands are Motley Crue and Kiss. And uh, I'm currently going through every single Kiss album again just to revisit. And um, I just absolutely love that band and everything, you know, all the merchandise that they have their name on and stuff. I'm a big collector of that sort of thing as well. So, yeah, traditionally it is the heavier stuff. But I, yeah, you will find in my collection some the likes of Elton John and um, Johnny Cash, especially in terms of the, the, the softer stuff. Yeah, I think it's interesting how less diehard music enthusiasts will be surprised when you like certain things that seem out of your range. Like, I listen to a lot of indie hip-hop and a lot of heavy rock, but Queen is one of my favorite bands of all time. And if you go back and listen to Queen's discography, they pretty much tackled, like the Beatles, tackled everything before it became mainstream. Like, they dabbled in punk, they dabbled in country, they dabbled in, in heavy rock. And so, you know you can't have the modern influences without those older bands because they definitely influenced all of the music we have now. And so I think it's only natural to be into that stuff. Also, like your view on music will get very narrow if you stick to only one thing. It's good to have a focus, but if you don't listen outside your comfort zone, you won't really learn anything, I feel like. Totally agree, yeah. And of course, I suppose the older you get as well, you you um, appreciate, I guess, some music that you probably wouldn't have done when you was in your teens, for example. So that's why yeah, I mean, I'm 32 now, but the last 10 years or so, I really have gone back to 60s stuff, 70s stuff. And like I said, the hair metal um, music as well, where I guess as a youngster, someone might have mentioned a band to me and after one or two songs, I might have just you know, if I didn't enjoy it, I would have just ditched them completely. But I'm, I'm more open now to listening to a whole record before making judgment. Um, and yeah, there is some albums that, like I said, that I wouldn't have liked back then, but now absolutely love. So you definitely need the old stuff still to to make the, the contemporary stuff sound, um, sound obviously re relevant. Um, uh, the next question I wanted to ask is I wanted to go back to New Metal Resurgence and and discuss how long this book took. You said that this is the final version, so it sounds like there was a previous version, a uh, draft version. Um, how long was the writing process to get this book completed? 
Um, I think I originally started it um, midway through 2016. And um, so I was just sort of drawing up ideas of what I was going to do. An A to Z biography section was always going to be the main thing. But after a while, I thought, let's see if I can try and hit up any former musicians from the era um, on Facebook. Just send out a few messages to band pages. And luckily, the first person to respond was um, Meigs Ruscon from coal chamber which at the time was obviously a huge name for me to right. have in the um he was able to then put me on to mike sarkisian from spine shank um so with two names already fairly oh, i absolutely loved spine shank as well so it was great to talk to him um so yeah i basically got a few interviews going first <clears throat> um i wrote the book and i think it the the 2000 or sorry the 2017 version came out last summer but uh after a couple of weeks, I was proud of it to start with. My friend Scott from Head for the Barricade, he designed the cover as well. And it looked great. But, um, yeah, it was within a couple of weeks I thought that, I was after, you know, scrolling through it, I think I probably rushed its release a little bit. Um, there were so many more bands that I could have added, which I didn't. Um, and, again, because of the UK, we was only given, you know, the likes of Corn and Limp Bizkit and Deftones and stuff on the channels. And, and then the second wave of the bands, there were so many that didn't reach over here that I went back and listened to and felt, uh, felt they deserved to be in the book. So pretty much within a month or so of releasing the first version, I decided to go back to it, add further content, get more interviews. And um, so, yeah, this is the, in my mind, the definitive version Again, already out of date because of certain couple of bands in like the New Breed, for example, they've lost members and already had lineup changes and stuff. But yeah, for me, this is the the final version of the New Metal book. Um, and the next thing I want to make sure I mention before we go any further is where's the best place for people to get your book, the best place to purchase it? Uh, at the moment, it's literally just from myself, um, but within okay. a couple. Of Within a couple of weeks, I've um, just signed a contract, which will mean the book will be available in further um, places such as Barnes and Noble, um, Amazon. Will it will be on on all the Amazons? Obviously, the UK version, the American version, elsewhere. Um, Waterstones, which I know is definitely the UK branch. I'm not sure if there's any in America, but there's going to be a few more other American distributors as well that will be stocking the book um so yeah within two or three weeks there will be a lot further a lot more links but at the moment from myself if anybody is interested in a copy my facebook is matt.carper k-a-r-p-e one as in the number one um so if they want to hit me up on a personal message then um i can send out a copy i have hardbacks and paperbacks available awesome that's excellent um i'm looking at the the website now for head for the barricade and i love that you guys are still doing written articles and lists um mm -hmm. as someone who used to, the focus of crash courts used to be written articles blog posts and then i kind of lean more into um podcasts and i've started recently doing uh, weekly rec recommendations of music how do you feel about the written medium as far as on websites and article writing because i know i've kind of gone back and forth wondering how many people read it do you feel like um how do you feel about still writing articles in this age and what do you do to try and keep it fresh I think it's important that you still have to have full written art articles. A lot of places will just share a simple post and just mm -hmm. try and get some credit for it. But um, especially, like as, as you know, as I said, with trying to sort of br uh, sort of bring a bit of a rebirth to the new metal era, um, as well as sort of new bands as well. I think it's vital that 
anybody that is going to read it gets as much information as they can about that band or whatever the focus is on there's no point just doing a small piece with limited information um i think again if if we in our articles give as much information as we can then i'd like to think that people reading it will realize that we know what we're talking about and they're going to keep coming back to the website and um like you said, if you've seen our website, we've got some good features on there and some good articles. Um, and the website is, to be honest, doing really well. I mean, the podcast is a nice little hobby. We've got a, a small listenership, but the website is where people come. We've had some, we've got some great statistics since the relaunch of the site in January. Um, so I think it's important to keep maintaining the, the the readership that we do have and the visitors to the site by keeping writing high quality articles. And do you feel like social media has been helpful for promoting that stuff? I know sometimes social media can be a bit of a burden, especially in today's news cycle. But do you feel like it's allowed you to kind of get uh, your stuff out there more accessible? Definitely, yeah. Um, when you're doing something by yourself, social media is pretty much all you have these days. Um, there's not, You haven't got anybody to fall back on that has a wide reach of people for a promotion tool or anything like that. So we have some, you know, there's some great uh, groups on Facebook that we can just share our posts with. If people want to read it, they're going to click on the link and go and have a check out. If they don't, then they'll just, you know, just scroll past it on their, on their newsfeed. Um, but especially with the newer bands as well that we focus on, they're also going to help us because they want to, um, they're happy that they're getting some further exposure, so they're going to share the posts. So that means their friends are going to share the posts and go and check it out and stuff. Yeah, social media is um, very important for, for that sort of thing these days. Um, something that I wanted to talk about, because this is a band that I've had experience with and kind of come and gone with. I saw that you guys did a write-up on the newest Godsmack album. Um, mm-hmm. Godsmack is one of the first, it's probably the first CD I bought with my own money, um, their self-titled album. Uh, I'd been a fan of theirs for a long time and kind of fell off in the late 2000s. Um, pretty much after the I Stand Alone era, I kind of dropped off. Um I'm curious what your experience is with them because they're a band that I really loved for a long time. I thought what they did was interesting. I really liked Sully's singing voice. And then I felt they became a little ubiquitous. Not that their music got worse, but I guess that I heard a lot of the same stuff. So for me, I lost interest. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm curious what your experience is with that band and bands like that that tend to kind of fall back on their same formula and not evolve very much. Yeah, I, I do love Godsmack, and I, I think the new album's brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. I, was, I was prepared for something different when they came out and said it was going to be more of a of a hard rock direction compared to their slightly heavier, groovier guitars that they, they um, used in previous albums. But, yeah, all the way through, I mean, I, my first introduction to them was um, the second album, Awake, when that mm-hmm. came out. Absolutely loved it. Faceless was a great record as well. Um, and the following records, there was brilliant songs um not necessarily strong albums all the way through but the the song that sully reportedly wrote about nikki six called crying like a bitch um and later on the the tracks called speak there's just there's three or four brilliant anthems on every album they've ever done um and this one i mean a track for track i'd have to say i've talked to a, a lot of people about uh, when legends rise and i think it is my favorite godsmack record to be honest i think it's just so catchy um it is godsmack but obviously slightly um changing their style 
I mean, that's exciting to hear as someone who was always a fan of Sully. And, like, every time I saw them live when Sully would sing and play drums and, like, show up his own drummer, I always got a kick out of that. And, you know, they're always great showmen. And so, like, I was never, I never just decided, oh, I don't like them anymore. I just stopped pursuing them as heavily. So to hear that they they are evolving and this new album actually is really good makes me excited to go back to it. Are there any bands that you'd kind of forgotten about from when you were younger that in the course of writing this book you've rediscovered and maybe refallen in love with um uh, generally most of them i've always sort of continued to listen to whether it's just a few tracks at a time or or whole albums but there's there's probably some that i've actually probably enjoyed more after writing the book um bands like 40 below summer they had a great album out um when they invitation to the dance um actually joshua toomey from the talk to me podcast he was um bassist for a while in a band called primer 55 that i never really listened to back in the day so i went through their discography and found some great albums and some great songs um so yeah there's a few newer ones that i would say that i never really listened to but in terms of the the originals that i, I first started listening out to i've always given whatever record they release a chance some obviously not so great um, but just touching back on the Crazy Town one, actually, and talking about um, how much I like hip-hop as well, their last album, which came out about three years ago, it was a um, traditional hip-hop record, but I thought that was absolutely brilliant. Um, so, yeah, I'd, everything that's in the book or the bands that I grew up with, I do still listen to them with the same um, pleasure, I guess, as I did back then. Well, it's funny you mentioned Crazy Town again, and I feel like, Crazy Town and several other new metal bands, if memes had really been at the forefront back in the early 2000s, they would have been and have been now because songs like Butterfly, which I will always put on a playlist and usually gets a laugh from anyone who grew up in that era because it's just it's just such an iconic, strange song for that time period. You know, it's there are bands, I'm sure, who are doing music similarly now, but there's this almost tongue-in-cheek nature to that video to that song that i think is inescapable and why i've always given them the benefit of the doubt because with a song like that while i'm sure you you take yourself very seriously as a band there has to be a little bit of tongue-in-cheek when doing such kind of a groovy strange and unique song and so i think it's interesting that you've gone back to them to listen and i'm actually curious as well as someone who's become a much larger fan of hip-hop as I've gotten older, I'd be curious to see if I a liked that old album that Butterfly was on and this newer album that you've mentioned. Mm. Yeah, definitely. But the the band currently now is literally the in terms of original members is just Shifty the yeah. vocal. Um, back with the Brimstone Sluggers album from 2015, there was just uh, the the two lead vocalists Shifty and um, uh, Adam Epic Mazur. There was the only two on that one, so Epic has now left the band. But yeah, that was a great album, man. There was some really catchy songs on there. Um, and yeah, back in the day, I guess I would imagine the record label had a bit of uh, input in terms of the the music video for that as well. Sure. And um, there wasn't many bands where you could say, I guess there was well, relatively, they looked kind of more like a pop band, um, happy to take their shirts off and perform. <laughs> you know, with, with their with their chests out and the tattoos and everything so yeah i'm sure the record label had a bit of input in helping make butterfly as big as it was um i'm curious uh 
being as a diehard a music fan as you are, and I'm sure in your downtime you listen to a lot of music just for pleasure, but are there any other hobbies that you have outside of music that you're really into that kind of inspire you um, that, or maybe unusual places you find music from besides just discovering albums? Um, spare time, really, literally, my spare time's at work, really. My actual day job's doing security. Um, hopefully, my bo- hopefully my boss isn't hearing this because <laughs> I, go, I go to work for a rest. Yeah, the evenings are normally took up either talking to musicians or arranging interviews, writing features, um, stuff like that. Obviously, in, we've got the World Cup on at the minute, so I'm a football fan as well, so I do watch some football um but actually next week um me and scott and a few others were away in amsterdam and prague for uh, various activities which also includes two limp biscuit shows so that's uh, that'll be a nice break next week that's awesome yeah uh, is limp biscuit still the same original members because i can't even recall i know their last record i thought that some of the members had left but i don't recall yeah dj lethal returned uh, again um a couple of months back um, so he's been playing with the band live ever since. So that's why it's literally, yeah, it's Fred Wes. Um, obviously, there's a still, a, I'm not sure, we'll see next week, but I don't think Sam, the bassist, is playing with him because I know he had uh, some sort of back uh, illness, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, injury or something that was going to prevent him from playing. So I'm not sure if Sam's still part of the band, but I believe John's still on the drums. So four out of the five definitely. Um, are playing the, the shows and uh, yeah we'll wait to see whether the fifth one completes the original lineup but i saw them a couple of years back and they just still absolutely destroyed the crowds that they play play for it's already a sold out show i've heard in amsterdam as well which is going to be great um so yeah i can't wait to see them again because they've always brought it live absolutely you know flawlessly yeah, it's they're one of those bands that while the later stuff I like Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water is an album that I feel like doesn't quite hold up and the and a few of the ones after but their first and second records are still always in rotation for me especially that first record because it's yeah. just it was unlike anything that was out at the time it was absolutely a wholly original thing and while ever since there's been ton of tons of mimicry or inspiration from it it was just unlike anything i'd ever heard their cover of faith like i didn't i don't think i'd really ever heard a heavy rock or or metal cover of a of a classic rock or pop song and so it was just so interesting to me yeah, and it was so raw as well, that album. Um, Ross Robinson pr- produced it as well. He was, obviously, at the time, he'd just done the first two Corn records, so he was getting a name for himself as a as a producer extraordinaire. Um, he's also with my book. I'll just mention that because uh, that was amazing to have Ross Robinson uh, interviewed for the book. Um, but, yeah, Limp Bizkit, they just, yeah, the, 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 the record label obviously got on board for significant, significant other, um, and they, their popularity just rose from there. I still enjoy that record. I still enjoy the Chocolate Starfish. I thought uh, Results May Vary was great, considering Wes wasn't on guitar. I really enjoyed that one, a bit more of a mature album. And when they came back with Gold Cobra, specifically the first half of that album, I just thought that was just vintage Limp Bizkit. It was absolutely brilliant. And whether they ever will produce another album, they've been talking about it for the last three or four years. Hopefully, if they do, it will be much in the vein of those 
those big three records, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I all I always thought that results may vary was interesting because I felt it was the most open that Fred had been. Fred Durst had <laughs> always wrote. I feel like from his heart, a lot of the rawness definitely came from that. But like with the covers on there and the slower songs, and I was starting to get into some slower and more melodic music. I just thought it was very. Well, a lot of people shunned it for not being as heavy. I thought it was interesting that he was essentially opening a vein on that record and being very very forward facing and open with a lot of what he had been going through and what you know popularity was like and celebrity was like and what his life was like and i think it was really fascinating mm. well i think he teased that as well though with the other albums because <clears throat> no matter what you'd get with the likes of the hot dog track and those that were a lot more explicit there was always a two or three ballad yeah. kind of song on every album as well so uh, we knew that he had that in his locker for results may vary um but I probably was a bit surprised how um, I guess softer the album was but it was nonetheless intriguing I mean I remember when I first saw the video for Eat You Alive and it was just it's still my favourite Limp Bizkit song of all time yeah. um, and whereas probably nothing else on the album particularly hit those heights in terms of heaviness um, there is still some great songs on there that yeah, are, are more personal um, but just as effective um, you mentioned that you're traveling to see uh, Limp Bizkit. Do you do a lot of traveling to go see uh, musicians? Um, well, I guess pure, from from the from the podcast, we're starting to. Um, as I mentioned, our good friends in Front Street. We've been over there last year. They released their debut album, and we got invited to the album launch show, which was a great night. So we've and I've caught up with those guys since as well. But this is actually going to be the first time I've seen a proper full-on show abroad, and then. The one in Prague, which, uh, again, like I said, features Limp Biscuit. that's actually going to be my first overseas festival. Uh, it's called the Aerodrome. I think also on the bills, Nine Inch Nails, Skindred, uh, Hollywood and Dead and Body Count. So that's going to be really good as well. That's a crazy lineup. That's really cool. I'm interested yeah. to see. Do you guys plan on doing a write-up or a podcast about the festival? I'm sure the next show we have, we'll talk about it. Um, hopefully I'll be able to get some good pictures at least. Mm -hmm. uh, Hopefully we have something up our sleeves with a potential interview, but um, we never know whether that's going to happen. So sure. I'll, be, I'll be taking my dictaphone just in case. Um, but yeah, we'll definitely be writing up about that show. And um, yeah, can't wait because uh, well, I know the weather's going to be hot as well. So uh, as long as the weather's good, which normally is, means the music's going to be even better. That's excellent. Um, I, th I, th I think the thing that's most fascinating to me about this book and about um, uh, new metal in general is just how devoted the fans are. I feel like all genres have their devoted fans, but there's something about this, you know, there's certain music genres that have a dedicated community and talking about new metal being a movement, I feel like for the most part, a lot of the fans really support each other and support a lot of the bands because there's this connectivity to this music that's unlike other genres. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of those people that you'll see on the Facebook groups now, they're all roughly the same age, which means they grew up listening to these bands, these bands' music and their lyrics helped people grow up into the people they've become. Um, obviously, the, the, the lyrical content in the songs, they dealt with, you know, um, feelings of loneliness, of anger, frustration, um, relationship issues, stuff like that. So it was, they were great remedies, I guess, to, and it, they helped, especially Korn, they helped me a lot when I was growing up as well. They, the, the bands and the music helped to, you know, people to find their own 
character i guess and um that's why i suppose the band will never be forgotten to the fans yeah for sure i mean uh corn's album issues was very seminal to me even though it's often panned as one of their not best albums it was it was one of those albums that i think just hit the right emotional tone for me that i really connected to um and i think that for sure you know growing up in America myself and being lonely and, you know, in high school and feeling like an outcast and not really finding my stride till I hit college bands like that really made me feel like I wasn't alone. I wasn't the only person experiencing that, which was always a really strong connection for me. Mm. I always say as well, music is the one thing that will never let you down. Um, bands may do with a, with a, with a dodgy album or something, but there will always be a song there that you can just turn to for a moment of solace or you know any sort of help you need whether it's a calm track or a really angry song or whatever there's always a song or a band or a record that is there to help you so uh yeah it's definitely music is the the best the best remedy um i think a fun exercise for both of us and that the ultimate beneficiaries will be my listeners is for each of us to recommend a band to each other that the other may not have heard of and i'll go first and then i'm interested to hear what you pick if you have to pick one album so i'll let you go second so you can think on it so this one band i think you'd really dig because i happen to um connect with their lead singer and you may have heard of them may, may have not but they're a band called god sticks and they're based i believe out of wales uh under oh, no, the they're in glasgow i think um but they're this kind of heavy prog rock band um they have two records out right now and i really dig them and so i think is a fan of new metal and a fan of heavy rock you'd really be interested in their work have you heard of god sticks i'm afraid i haven't no so you, you've done well there excellent yeah they're a band that um a mutual friend of mine who I used to podcast with, um, who's very into prog rock, found them on like just on a fluke and um, uh, picked up their first record and brought it on the podcast for us to review. And we all fell in love with it. And then their lead singer, Darren Charles, reached out to us and thanked us for the review. And so I've been a fan of their work ever, ever since. So I really, I really, they come highly recommended. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll definitely check them out. Um, if you had one band to recommend to me, who would that be? Um, yeah, well, obviously a lot of the bands, especially the newer ones that we talked to are American. So there's probably a strong chance you've heard of them. But I guess, um, well, you probably have heard of them as you if you've checked the book out. But Front Street, I don't know if you had, you know, the, the guys I've just said from the Netherlands. Have you had a chance to listen to any of their music yet? So I haven't. Uh, the name is familiar, um, but yeah. I have not actually checked out that work yet. Yeah, well, they're they're a great band, um, rap metal. Um, so they obviously they're very well or very much influenced by Linkin Park, especially um, on a heavier side. But their album Reality Check that dropped last September, fourteen tracks of just awesomeness, really. Um, there is a ballad on there as well. There's a an ode to their hometown, which is Lelystad which uh, is called Ghost Town, and it really is a ghost town. Nothing happens in that town after about six o'clock in the evening it's a very strange place um but the the lyrical content is great the rapping vocals from martin the lead singer are just brilliant the drumming's great the guitar work is immense um bass work again great and mitchell on the uh, he does the samples and stuff like that and the backing screams they are such a great band and i've said before to many people i've never had much have had so much belief in one band for well for a very long time as i have in front street and uh, hopefully one day they will 
they will get to um, you know break out a bit further. They've supported Crazy Town, ironically. Keep bringing Crazy Town up. They supported <laughs> them on a show in Holland last year, and also Hollywood and Dead. And next week, Limp Bizkit, the show at the Aphis Arena. Crazy Town are playing the after party, which uh, I'm very excited about as well. That's, that's big for them as well. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely check them out, um, especially after you praising them in this interview. Like they just, it sounds like the kind of thing I've been looking for that I'm familiar with from my youth. So I'm very excited to check that out. Um, Matt, this has been an absolute pleasure. Um, I'm so excited for people to get the hands on their hands on your book. Um, where is the best place for folks to find you on the internet and connect with you? Besides, of course, um, headforthebarricade.com, which has your podcast and the lowdown, which is your your article section um but where are other places folks can find you on the internet uh, at the minute it's just i haven't got an official website so it is just my own facebook page so that's uh, matt.carper as i said earlier k-a-r-p-e and then the number one at the end that's my personal facebook page i've had a few people come to me in the messenger there to inquire about a book um so yeah hit me up if you want to have a chat or whatever about new metal or music in general um however you like um and like i said in a hopefully two or three weeks time the book will also be available on amazon and um in barnes and noble various other places in the uk and us um i'm still waiting to hear uh, what other outlets will potentially stock it whether there'll be physical copies in the shops i'm not sure but they will definitely be on their on their websites to uh, buy from there well, excellent. Um, please let me know when it's officially been released on Amazon, and I'll definitely link to it on my website and anywhere else I can. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you, Matt. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, my last request is, and I feel like you'll appreciate this, we have a saying on this show and my other show, which is music is life and life is good. And the sentiment is, if you're creating or engaging with art, then your life will always be uh, a great experience. And so if you could do our sign-up, and just say music is life and life is good I would love that okay uh, music is life and life is good if you enjoyed these interviews please subscribe to this and the Crash Chords podcast on iTunes where you can also rate us and review us you can also like us on Facebook follow us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web our Tumblr and our YouTube channel if you have any questions or comments feel free to post in the comment area below each post and keep the discussion going because remember music is life and life is good